0: Well, hello and welcome, dear listener. This is the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast, a little special episode for you. Normally, this is a podcast where we have a panel and we talk about news and politics and sex and religion, all the things that you're not supposed to talk about. On this occasion, we're going to talk about the Ukraine, and of course, everybody is talking about the Ukraine, so it's, uh, we're allowed to do that. I, of course, am Trevor, aka the Iron Fist, uh, with me as always, Joe, the, t- the tech guy, and And also, special guest is Ed. Welcome aboard, Ed. Hi, Trevor. Hi, Joe. How are you guys? So it's good to have Ed here because I was on the podcast with Cam Riley and after that he was getting feedback from different listeners, one of whom was Ed, who was writing some emails. And turns out Ed uh, was born in Russia, lived most of his life uh, early years until 25 in the Ukraine slash Russia. He'll explain more about that and has been living in Australia down in Melbourne. So he's got a pretty good perspective of the Russian-Ukrainian border because he lived there um, until about 25. And so he's got family and friends on both sides of the border, and he's here in Australia been observing what's been going on over there. And I thought, what a good opportunity to have Ed on and just um, tell us stuff that we don't know about the Ukraine, about Russia and all the rest of it. So... So Ed, without any further ado, why don't you tell us, sort of, just your personal background of where you grew up, how long for, and just so people get a genuine impression that you actually know a little bit about the area that you grew mm-hmm. up in. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, look, I was born. Uh, I was born in Russia, but uh, pretty close to the border of Ukraine, as I said. I, I, so my, my mom's from uh, from the place which is pretty close to Kharkiv. Uh, mm-hmm. News now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's you know north. Yep east. Uh from the Russian side. And my dad's uh my dad's family from Taganrog which is uh sort of uh, pretty close to uh okay, what, what do you have there on the map? So it's it's southeast, uh sort of right sea of azov the north of Crimea, that's you know, that's okay. we are. So yeah. Yeah, that way. Yep. Both places are uh, uh, checked within 50 cases, uh, or thereabouts, you know, 60 K's, uh of the border. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we have family on both sides. My immediate family now, my mom and dad are uh, uh, in Russia now, but I have cousins, second cousins in Ukraine, Kharkiv, and my wife, who's also Russian Ukrainian, you know, probably 50 50, uh, she's got some family in Kiev now. So we in touch with them, but uh, look. Uh, and I always lived in in these two places, pretty much. Uh, you know, spending summer uh, when I when I was a kid, I guess I was was more uh, up there, my mom's relatives, and uh, you know, my grandma, grandpa. And then uh, I was going to school and you know to so uni, uh, then South Russia. So again, close to Ukraine. So it was always it was always uh, you know during Soviet times. Of course, we thinking terms of Russia-Ukraine that much, especially both of these uh, regions, well, fairly Russian speaking, uh, were back then, and probably are still now, uh, it's not to say that, you know, they're ethnically Russians or or ethnically Ukrainian, because sometimes it's kind of hard to tell, you know, because people are mixing, and it's more, you know, your uh,
0: personal feel. So if you cross the border from Russia to Ukraine, it was like, Someone in Queensland going to northern New South Wales and back—is it just a matter of fact uh, sort of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, look, we would, uh, we would we would do that all the time because uh, yep. you know during Soviet times that's that's kind of uh, yeah, tricky bit, I guess. But uh, when f- we different regions were supplied differently, so you know in Ukraine there were I don't know better dairy. So we would use, you know, we go and you know shop there if uh, you know if we felt like it cool. Yep. So you get,
0: get dairy from the Ukraine and vodka from Russia. So like uh, yeah, I think I think this was pretty
1: uh, pretty much available everywhere Okay. Back then. Until until uh you know the end of Soviet Union or sort of collapse yeah, of Soviet Union where pretty much everything disappeared everywhere. Yep. Actually. And that was, that was a big crisis in, in both countries, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, again, you know, I could, I could see that and I, I know that firsthand because yeah. it probably was a bit worse in Ukraine, actually. Yep. Yeah. It you know, it's a bit earlier than,
0: than France. So, so I'm just curious, like we'll get on to the present conflict, you know, in, in due course, but just growing up as a young person in that part of the world, mm-hmm. you've lived in Australia now for a good time. I have a mental image of a, a pretty desperate place with um, nothing in the shops other than the bare basics. If you're lucky, and uh, a fairly grim lifestyle. Not, not, was it
1: was it not grim? True. Or not? No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't grim, and, and especially if you, if you don't if you don't have anything to compare to, uh, then you know it, it's just your normal. I guess you know for us. But, but look, I was a kid. Uh, you know, Soviet Union collapsed when I was, born, which is what 1981. Uh, I was uh, born in 74. So, you know, I was I was in my uh, uh, teens, yes, uh, Until then, you know, before Perestroika, it was, you know, I was a kid. It was, it was so sort of fun for me. I mean, you know, we would go to mm-hmm. countryside, you know, we would spend time there fishing. It was it, as good as, you know, as your childhood. Can be, I suppose, because you know I was uh, I was looked after. So, you know, my, my family was was great, and we would, again all relatives. This this place where you know my, my mom grew up, because that was a village, basically, and we had relatives in, in neighboring villages, but also you know in Ukraine. Uh, everyone would sort of come together uh, for summer, you know, holidays. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yep. And would, would your family be just sort of? middle-class, would you have considered them? Or? Uh,
1: I don't know if if that, uh, you know, model is applied to, uh, you know, to Soviet times. So my, my parents were, uh, you know, graduated from the university in Kharkiv, actually, uh, yeah. being sort of engineers. And being an engineer in Soviet Union is uh, is not really uh, is saying that you're not well to do, uh, but uh,
0: but look, you more comfortable than average,
1: uh, no, nah, just average? average. I would say, you know, this the Soviet Union was the country of you know, working classes, so, you know, that's that's where a, a person on, on a factory probably much more than an engineer, really, uh,
0: yeah, um, right, so, you know, working all
1: the time, yeah, so that was it was really, um. A thing, you know, the back person then. on the factory floor would oh, yeah, absolutely the engineer, absolutely. right? Absolutely, right? Because they would do all the times, so they could do, uh, you know, night shifts, they could, I don't know, uh, yeah. depending on what you were doing, you know. Look, unless you like it's hard to generalize, but you know, that would be that would be a generic, uh, assumption. But you know, if you work for some defense factories or something where, yeah, uh, you, yeah, you probably could find.
0: Session, so. yeah and, and you were telling me uh, previously that um, you ended up doing electrical engineering and computers and stuff and you okay
1: so so my my you know my university years is, is sort of uh, where Soviet Union is collapsing or collapsed or, or whatever so that this is is pretty unstable time but again being a student you know, why, why would I care you know, yep time uh, and so, but yeah I, I studied at my home CC. Uh so you know I stayed with the family, I was uh I was okay because I was supported by my parents. And uh so yeah, electrical computer engineering and well roundabout I don't know there was there was a moment that I remember, uh that was that was actually just after I entered the university that all of a sudden, so this is say 1991 uh you know, so engineers collapsing and we like the worst, because you know, all these iron curtains going and metallica you know, like is going to be uh small school and uh that's where i you know something clicked in me and i thought you know that's that's what i that's why i want to leave so i started uh I know, learning english like crazy yeah maybe it doesn't show but <laughs> with the accent and stuff but you know it's uh i set my goal i guess back then to uh Back then, I thought, oh, yeah, I'd go and study in the US or somewhere and then mm. see how it goes. But it turned out uh, differently. But you know, it just ended up in, uh, ended up in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and never looked back, actually. Yeah. You know, uh, which is.
0: Yep. And you're living in Melbourne now. Yeah. And. Uh- and, and you mentioned before to me that you were part of a rally that happened in Melbourne, sort yeah, of. Yeah, uh, and, I went and there, is it, uh, are you sort of part of a Ukrainian expat community.
1: It, it, a... it's, it's absolutely. Uh, it was organised by Ukrainian community, and um, and uh, but we have a lot of friends from who are members of the community. We, you know, we're not, I can't say I'm a member of the community because you know, I never. I never had, you know, Ukrainian passport or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we felt that we needed to go as well, Uh, wanted to go, uh, needed to go. I have to say that I uh, didn't make it to the start of it because I had other commitments. My wife and my daughter uh, pretty much, you know, went there from from the first minutes and uh, marched from Treasury Gardens to the Fed Square, and I just joined them at Fed Square. Um, saw a lot of friends there, and you
0: know, yeah. Um, mm. Yep. So, um, so your family um, and friends back over there in the Ukraine. What what stories are you hearing, or reports are you hearing from them about, you know, what's happening on the ground there? Is it um, anything you can share with us? That.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, look mm. Well, that's that's what I, uh, what I'm here for, I guess. Uh, Look, f- first of all, it's it's a war, uh, no doubts about it, look, I need to pick the right words, I guess, uh, just because, and I'm, I'll get there, I guess, you know, from Russian side, from, uh, I'd probably say from Russian side and the rest of the world, uh, it appears, uh, the words are different, the terms are different, and, and you know, people are sort of, Watching uh, about know how they call it, but it is a war. You know, in Russia, you are not supposed to say war; well, it's a special operation. And if you, you know, I'm told that people say war, well, they are be corrected or, or, or worse. And um, it, it's pretty full on. Like, look, you, you, you just can't uh, comprehend. You know, I, I, I can't comprehend it because, yeah, you to know, so me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I left that part of the world some time ago. You know, went back a couple of times, but um, still, the picture I have you know, doesn't doesn't really uh, so marry to, to what I see now. And what I see now mm. is street, street fighting, basically, you know, like mm. Stalingrad. Uh, so Kiev. I've been to Kiev. I actually fell in love with the city. It's, it's probably one of my favorite cities. Uh, absolutely beautiful and you know it's a huge hill and uh it's four million plus i think and kharkiv is 1.5 or something so big cities yeah. and shelling's is going on there and you can see it and it's not like you know these are doctored images or because they're just coming through they keep coming through so you know street fighting my uh uh my relatives who are in, in Kharkiv, have uh, been living uh, pretty much in a cellar for, uh, for the past few days. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, the whole territory of Kharkiv has been or, you know, street fighting is, is on every street because it's it's hard to know uh, mm-hmm. what's going on, but definitely on outskirts and pictures that I've seen and then people who recognize them, like the university in you know, Saltovka is, uh, uh, is the sort of northeast uh, I suppose. Um, I don't know if it sees that well anymore yeah. Yeah. that was cute be um i I saw images of you know uh, shells you know exploding and you know. Mm.
0: are they running out of food because I just know here in Australia when we had things with the pandemic or flooding here in Brisbane, and it doesn't take long before the shelves are empty, and I just would have thought. It's shaping up as a bit of a siege where they're just going to run out of food in these cities.
1: And we are worried. We yeah. we are here uh, worried about them running out of food, but I haven't. Uh, I don't really have uh, a lot of you know good information about that. I know that three or four days ago, when when it just started, but it was not in the city proper. Uh, and this is Kharkiv. I'm talking about uh, my uh, my aunts, you know. My mom's cousin. Uh, she she said that she went to to the shop and bought you know some supplies, some tasters and uh, some cereals. But I, I don't really know if they have water now. I don't. I know that it's been sort of encircled, uh, and Kiev, I think, is from what I heard, is pretty much rounded up now. So it might be you know the case where. Your supplies will start running out. But um, I just don't know enough. Sorry. I, yeah. yeah. I know that uh, that they were safe, my uh, relatives safe yesterday because they, they responded and, and they said that they were still fighting, And they they were intended to survive, quote, uh, well, you know, by all means. Uh, that's, that's
0: yeah. Okay. So let's sort of now move into the sort of build up and the. You know, recent history and and uh, geopolitics, or however we want to call it. One thing that I'm curious about is is the Donbass region, where, according to what I've read, it is a predominantly Russian speaking enclave that seems to be quite different to the rest of Ukraine. Is is that was that your sense back in the day, or?
1: Oh, uh... Uh, not really. Uh okay going back to Soviet times we didn't think about those um, you know those terms or, or you know, ask that question uh, later the Donbass was uh, was different in a way that' it's, it's a mining widget yeah so that's uh, you know there's a lot of you know mining going there you, you're passing by it looks different yeah okay uh, but you know is it so economically it was different I guess because uh Again, mining is the main uh, industry there. Yep. So when the trouble started, and, and I am talking about 90s, you know, uh, so this is just after Soviet Union or end of Soviet Union probably. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm I'm not a historian or you know, maybe maybe enthusiast, maybe sort of you know failed historian if you like, or fake historian. So, you know, don't quote me or fact check, I, I don't know exactly, but you know, 90s. Uh, when the problem started I think Donbass was hit quite uh, quite badly with you know with all that because all of a sudden you know mining uh, stopped and and that's all you had to uh, you know, to provide so miners were uh, quite unhappy so sort of going to strikes sort or of trying to you know work out uh, something and I guess I guess unless you have that industry going uh, no matter what you do uh, you know there's, there's trouble in the re- Okay. Trouble, economic trouble in the region, so you know this, uh, this just not enough work, and and um, you yeah, know that's quite bad.
0: So, uh, so it was defined as much by its its work environment and landscape exactly. as it but, was by.
1: But if you if you ask him about ethnically or or you know culturally or anything, not really. No, uh, and and look, I have a couple of well more than a couple of good friends here because I don't know when when people start said look. Immigration into Australia from former Soviet Union was uh, was going like well, was a steady stream in 90s and to, uh, 2000s I suppose because you know it was uh, fairly easy to do I guess if you were educated and uh, yeah, wanted really so we have we have quite a few friends here who came uh, or people who say have Jewish background so they came a bit earlier they came a bit earlier because they uh, could do so you know using that Jewish uh, uh, background uh, because it was like Soviet Union yeah there were reasons for uh, sort of it. Uh, so we have a lot of people from from that area who came at different times and I have a fair uh, well, I guess fair understanding of you know what's going on there and pretty much every one of them looking at you know, what's what happened there? Uh you know, shock and, and horror and uh well, you yeah, know, emotions are, are pretty
0: high. Yep. And, and so when there was the separatist movement for the Donbass region, have you got any sense of um of what was going on there in terms of shelling by the by the Ukrainian government as they were trying to retake this area uh, yeah. and this disputed I-
1: I think I have a pretty good sense of what was going on there, but uh, I guess I probably wouldn't. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is not showing by Ukrainian government, but it's separatists themselves. Were uh, and I'm, I'll, I'm trying not to say anything that I can't, you know, prove or anything. But the, the separatists themselves, so the first, uh, you know, people who came to power there. Who instigated that were all uh Russians, if I'm not mistaken, most of them. So it at the time, look, and, and this is not me sort of you know looking back with you know 2020 historic vision or something, at the time, 2014, uh when Yanukovych was uh fighting to stay, and we together with our uh, Ukrainian friends here were sort of uh, really waiting for him to go because it was, you know, he was quite bad, in you know, yeah. all accounts. Uh, when when it happened, we basically, you know, we were all joy. We said, "Oh, you know, that's that's great." And then when Russia took him, it was a bit of resentment, you know, from our side, thinking like this is a signal uh, that you know he's. Going to go unpunished. and punish then. So, so our attitude at the time was like, Oh, you know, that's that's not good because it's 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 almost like Russian Okay.
0: So, when Yanukovych lost to Poroshenko. He, he went to
1: Russia and sort of exiled. Him. No, no, but he he didn't lose. He was uh, um, he was ousted, and yes. and I mean this was before election or anything. He was yes. Uh, so that was that was a revolution. And right. look, I I know that you know you, you probably want to raise that point, or you uh, mentioned that American yeah. involvement in that. But I'm not even I'm not even talking about that. I'm just uh, talking about our attitude and, and vision. And and look. Uh, when I say, you know, these uh, Donbass and the and Hansk, you know, two sort of separatist regions there, uh, the, the the movement, uh, separatist movement there, or the action, started after the Crimea was uh, annexed. Yep. yep. Uh, which, again, is you know, a better word for this, but let's leave it there for now. Because um, that was a signal like, oh, you know, if if Crimea can do this, you know, so maybe maybe that can happen in some other regions. So the guy, uh, at the time, it was you know a lot of confusion who's doing what. Uh, but you know, a few years passed, and and people, uh, well, a few people who, who were leading uh, forces there died or were killed or whatever in fights. But uh, the guy who started it, uh, pretty much, but he's old, I own admission. Uh, uh, the guy called uh, Gerkin or uh, Strelkov is his.
0: And this, this is a guy who started the separatist movement in the Donbass.
1: By his account, his his interview to the uh, to the newspaper later uh, in Russia, he said that you know what I I pulled the trigger because you know I his his unit crossed the border from Russia to uh, uh, Donetsk region, I guess, and they started uh, you know the action. So and I, I guess I can close uh so there is a translation in to, uh, know,
0: so he, he was a Russian na- national who Russian national
1: Igor yeah. Strelkov. He's he's the guy uh, I mean this is this sort of perspective, he's the guy who's uh for his arrest there's a warrant, uh, you know, interpol for for the flight MH seventeen because that's the a guy who's associated with you know with that, right? He was he was controlling the area then.
0: Okay, so there's a question mark. Are you saying there's sort of a question mark as to how much of this was um, driven by the local population wanting to separate from the rest of Ukraine, as opposed to uh, the Russian influence maybe being well, more just, important just say, factor than the local.
1: There's no question mark, or it wasn't question mark for me back then. For yeah. me, uh, now it was instigated by Russia. Uh, reasons behind that, you know, not talking about it, but just facts. You know, he, he, he did. And look, there's there's probably a lot of factors playing. Like you know, people who weren't necessarily important, or who were you know, sort of looking for opportunity. Uh, seized it there. Because uh, let me put it this way. If you, in, in any country, uh, especially, or any region, I guess, especially where things are not stable, that probably would be a decent percentage of the population would want separate.
0: Yep, yeah. there's always a mixture. It's just hard to know what the percentages you know, are.
1: Western Australia, let, let me put this. Yeah, you remember it's... a few years ago, Western Australia said, you know, we want to separate. Yeah? Last week, they'd do it. Yeah. Well, he's He's amazing that guy I mean yeah.
0: yeah, you're right. in every population there will be a separatist element
1: and, um, and if you if you organize it uh, well, I'm not saying it's a you know it's something that's easy to do or it's something that's you know clear cut, but if you organize it you you have a chance to succeed and and these guys uh again they were, were telling it half like like there was no shame in it. they were telling uh you know to press that. You know, what we were expecting to maybe uh, to see Russia incorporating these regions, you know, like they did with Crimea, but Russia didn't uh, do this, sort of sending mixed signals or something. So maybe this was a bit of misinterpretation, misinterpret- whether, you know, support will come or not. So, uh-
0: yeah, okay. Well, that's a picture of the Donbass. That's that's. You know what I want. By the way, dear listener, I mean Ed's giving, of course, uh, his own personal knowledge yeah. of of things, and um, he hasn't been running around conducting polls. And you know, in a sense, uh, the plural of anecdote is not data. I think is the story or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, so you know, take all this with um, as it is, and um, it's just an interesting perspective that we're getting from somebody who's sort of been in the area and knows people and. There could be other people with different opinions.
1: And, and-, and look, the, there are people of different opinions, and yeah. I guarantee that. But it's also like you really have to uh, look at that. You really need to decide for yourself. Yeah. Because, uh, well, well, like, you know, we were chatting with Cam, and Cam said, oh, you know, I have, I have people who are of different opinions. Well, yeah, there are people who really love Trump. There are people who, you know, yes love yep. Tony Abbott. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's there's all um, sorts. So, so, just the other, um, so that's interesting picture of the Donbas. Um, the other sort of um, cultural element is is the sort of talk of of neo Nazi element in in the Ukrainian mm. sort of military, sort of as part of that 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 coup that mm. maybe or maybe not was engineered by the USA. Um, relying on some sort of neo-Nazi elements. Is, is neo-Nazism something genuine in Ukraine that you or your friends or would be aware of or would, would think is Me
1: or my friends, uh, if I rely on, on my personal experience, my friends or talking to people, and, and people I trust really, uh, then absolutely not. I mean, I'm sure there are there, like in any uh, country, uh, but do they control the uh, government? Do they control the parliament? No. Right. I'd say no. I just, I just don't see
0: any evidence. So you would have seen reports about sort of neo-Nazi elements. And as you were reading it, in your mind, are you thinking that's an overblown statement? That, that seems um, an exaggeration when you, okay. when you read I, it.
1: The problem is that most of the most of the reports that I was reading at the time or, you know, really need to see the source where it's coming from, um, a, a lot of that and you know I do, do read uh, Russian I, I can't read the Ukrainian but uh, yeah, not, not that good at it I guess uh, but everything you read in Russian or a lot of that is uh, you need to take uh, with a grain of salt because and that's something I probably would want to uh, you know spend a bit of time on yeah. propaganda and, and the way uh, things to spin is uh, it's kind of important because, you know, they, um, <sighs> this is Russia and Ukraine, uh, a like you know, Soviet Union, pretty much everyone. We were growing up uh, with you know, my, uh, both of my grandparents were uh, you know, fighting the Second World War. And uh, so we were, when we were growing up, fascism, or Nazism, which was used interchangeably, uh, was was like the worst thing that you can uh, possibly imagine. Yeah, so yes. we're growing up with this, and and the term is being a little, you know, being abused now a lot. Uh, you know, and and so in in Russian um, media, quite often this is a convenient way to say, oh, you know, they're fascists because they are, uh, you know, nationalistic and. Which is which is not always the same event, but, yep. but look, um, as I said, I don't believe uh, that you know right-wing, sort of ultra-conservative, sort of Nazi element uh, or, or whatever fascist uh, yep. uh, is is prevalent or, or noticeable compared to Russia, for example. Right. Yeah, because yep. in Russia you go and, and I can name you and I probably know better. I I can name you politicians who are still there, you know, leading parties. And they would they would make statements that yep. uh you know you've probably put you in jail in in, in, in some places. Yep. So it it's it's really it's really uh hard to you know take it and, and just go with it and uh, and say, oh Nazis have a problem here. I think it's yeah. There's definitely a lot of hate uh, in in general now, especially. Yeah. Uh, but look, uh, as I say, I probably would want to talk a little bit about propaganda.
0: Okay. Uh, when when we get there, or, or yeah. if we, if we can well, start we're, now. we're there. Um, we're there now. Let's do it. It's
1: just because uh, because this is something like you probably you probably don't. Um, no, that well unless you can tap in, unless you unless you know, uh, unless you can read Russian. Okay, so um, when I don't know where to start, but look, the propaganda, the propaganda machine that's 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 working probably in both directions, and and I guess you know it's propaganda propaganda in, in the US, but in Russian, if you if you just you know watch Russian TV. There's just a lot going on there, and, and it's always it's always directed at you know at trying to uh, portray you know specifically Ukrainians uh, as fascists or you know sort of close And And look, what I've done, I, I just um, I sent you a couple of links, but but look, this is for people who we can't play them now. But just go to YouTube and and uh, type something like kids uh, singing about Putin or, or something like this, because because it's just it, it is penetrating the society in such a way that you know it's hard to imagine. We probably would think about you know North Korea, uh, but you know kids would come and dress you know in uniforms, being I don't know eight year olds or whatever, uh, seeing like um, Uncle Vova. If you uh, you know if you if you call us to the last battle, you know we will die for you. Or right. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's yep. Just. Yep. It's just. And and this is not like you know some of that may be staged, but I also have some le- you know like school. Uh, you know, concerts and something and people would say, "Oh, you know, Putin, you're great," and so because yep. this is like uh, so, this so. Soviet level of, you know.
0: Yep. So Russia has been running a, a Soviet-style um, propaganda campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What one of the things, for example, I read ages ago, I think, was in relation to Crimea when they did polls of the population, and it seemed quite conclusive that most of the people in the Crimea wanted to to be right. in in the Russian sphere and well, and an argument i heard was that they had been subjected to a lot of propaganda on their television all
1: right look you know, this is this is this is actually an interesting point because uh, you know if we talk about Crimea and and how it's, what happened there and again this is uh, at the time you know it wasn't um, admitted but then after a couple of years or maybe a bit more, or maybe more, uh, you know, Putin means because because they were saying uh, there were there were no Russian troops there at the time. Uh, they were just you know, polite people and, and this is a term you know coin term which was on you know shirts and some, like you know, polite people who were um, yeah, volunteers who came there to whatever fight for uh, for their brothers. And then they admitted, yeah, yeah, there were Russian troops, but, you know, we had to do something. So, and, and you know, then reports that, yeah, it was planned, uh, you know, in, in a way, and works out perfectly. Because when they stepped in and sort of took control, you know, the region, and they organized referendum, um, you know, you can't take the results of this referendum uh, for face value, even if, it's it's a bit like you know doing a scientific experiment, but but you you know your your tools are team or you know contaminated and then the results you can't really trust them. Maybe because of the propaganda? Because of the because of propaganda, because of the, of the, because of the, of the presence. Violence. Oh, because of the presence and the way the way uh you know elections are, are run, uh, and, and you know, that was there was known at the time was was like, you know, with presence of troops or or sort of uh you know, insist recommendations of vote a certain way plus propaganda as well. Like, okay, if, if so we are Crimea, people probably would want to uh you know leave Ukraine and join Russia. I mean, maybe the majority of the population wants to do it. But is there any sort of law how to do it properly? That's the thing like, you know, it, I, I don't know if there is a precedent where part of the country went straight from one country to another uh i know of a few cases when part of the country decided to separate and sometimes peacefully sometimes you know through through some you know force or whatever or or a war but i don't really remember in the modern history uh when you know something like that would happen and it happened pretty quickly and uh you know was declared done deal you know we we have so Uh, does it mean people didn't want to? Oh, they probably a fair amount of them probably would want to, Uh, but, you know, is it it legal? You know, can we take it? Uh, Not really. And, and, and look, this is also coming back. This is what, you know, we talked uh, among themselves Uh, in 1994, if I'm not mistaken, when uh, there was so-called, um, Budapest memorandum, uh, Budapest memorandum, I think it's called. Have a link somewhere, where basically after the Soviet Union collapse, uh, Russia and Ukraine with US and the UK uh, sat together and uh, coined the uh, you know, penned the agreement that Russia would take all the stockpile of nuclear weapons from Ukraine, and in an exchange guaranteeing. Uh, borders in that uh, borders that were present in that particular moment, nineteen ninety-four, Ukraine was yep. Ukraine and everything. So technically, you know, Russia said, "All right, we don't we don't want to revise the borders or raise it because you know that's the agreement."
0: And yeah, like, well, give us your nuclear weapons, and we guarantee to keep your borders. Whether yeah, I, I'm
1: I'm sure there were maybe some other clauses, but that was that was it. And and of course, uh the story that I remember because you know it, it, it says oh you know this is uh it's plain and simple, you know, there's agreement. But of course, if you really want to, you can find a pretext. And like like always. So I think if I'm not mistaken again, don't quote uh, me on this, but, but I think Russia, you know, official Russia said back then that uh you know, because Yanukovych was ousted, uh you know, there's a the coup and stuff. Uh, it's all broken, you know. Yes. Not valid anymore. So we're not, you know, we're not obliged to, to follow yeah, any of that. And yeah. I don't know. I, I I look at this and I say, eh, you know. The, the I, Ukraine I called, story
0: is full of broken promises of one sort or another with NATO and, and other deals. And,
1: yeah. And we are talking about, you know, me uh, telling you what I think. So, that, you know, that's what I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, um, also the coup um, amongst Ukrainians that you know would would there be the belief or acceptance that the US played a major part in that, or would or would they say that was not the case? Like, what's the feeling? I
1: don't know. This? I don't, I haven't heard a lot of people are uh, saying, oh, you know, US mm-hmm. uh, definitely, you know, from Russian side. There's, I think, yeah, people who support official Russian story. Of, they would say, oh, yeah, definitely. So yep. it's all america like there's been america all, all, all this time but um i don't really know uh for sure i'm not going to argue but i'm just going to ask i guess the question of even if it was well i, I don't know what i'm saying i'm just I, I guess i guess i want to put it this way you know ukraine uh was, was trying to break away from soviet union and russia well, has been trying for quite a while and i mean after yeah. 1981 it, it appeared that okay there was understanding but we know that you know russia never really let it go uh not only ukraine i mean you know, other republics and other mm. examples and so there was you know there was one attempt and then you know, 2004 Yushchenko, which was clearly pro-Western, was Trump, you know, was uh, competing with Yanukovych actually uh, for you know for presidency, and Yushchenko was poisoned. And then you know before the election results were announced, because it looks like you know Russian involvement there was, was a bit too much. Uh, which is a fun fact, I guess. You know, Putin called and uh, congratulated Yanukovych a bit too soon. So, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, just send the signal, I guess, uh, and again, this is my you know, pedestrian level, I guess, uh, signal to Ukraine that, you know, it's really hard to break away. So is it, is it really uh, strange, I guess, or, or should we really, uh, you know, wonder if, if Ukraine, if they really wanted to, you know, would ask help for someone to, to you know to assist me, okay. or, or to have some, or to have some support in that. I don't really know, but it, yeah. So you it could see,
0: because you could see, or send some fairly obvious Russian meddling, It
1: wasn't denied, uh, but it was, it was, it was not a military intervention or anything. But it was, it was like you know, Russia would send consultants to you know organize uh, elections and stuff. And yeah, there was a. It was a documentary on BBC, if I'm not mistaken, that no, was uh showing Australia, but that was at the time, I think at the time.
0: Okay. Sure be- because you're a you're a fan of the of Cam Riley's various podcasts, so you'd be quite used to his his re- repetitive line of US yeah. involvement in countries around the world. So, so so having listened to that, you'd be highly attuned, I would have thought, to uh, looking look. for US he- involvement. So
1: what, what Cam's doing, and I mean, and this is, it's almost like his mission, but he's trying to counterbalance, and I mean, you know, among many things. So I would argue with Cam, uh, you know, personally or in the email, uh, well, I haven't had a chance to do it personally, maybe. Because yeah. um, now he maybe identifies me, uh, would listen to me or whatever. Um, that his mission is to counterbalance the, Insane amount of uh, BS. I don't know. Do we have kids uh, watching this? You can go right. ahead and
0: language warning, dear listener. We might uh, might be some.
1: Yeah, kids. If you if you listen uh, to this, and probably want to tell your parents they're letting you down. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, insane amount of bullshit that's going on in the world. I mean, yeah. look, America is an empire, and and they do. A lot of bad stuff, and and of course, you know, Russians would say, oh, you know, Americans do that, so you know, so so can we." So it's almost like Cam's mission, and you know, Ray's, I guess we should right, yeah. so you counterbalance that. Yep. Yeah. and uh, and yeah, doing
0: and, and, and you and you're fully aware of that, and you've seen all the various examples. Yet, when you look at the coup, um, and and knowing how it's occurred elsewhere, quite often you don't, you haven't yourself necessarily looked at the coup with conviction of US involvement. Is but, that what you're saying? You know
1: US involvement versus Russian involvement. I mean, you know, yeah, both of them. Yeah, but I mean do we do we need to choose or do we we, we had to choose?
0: Uh, no, but just uh, it's really just whether we think it's occurred is, is I, the question.
1: Look, I, I don't really know. i I mean I, I don't have enough evidence. I I'm not going to speculate I Think okay. that yeah, it could could have been, okay. uh, could have been, but also well, I didn't have a sense like from again from my friends from people here, Yanukovych was genuinely uh, bad, and I mean, had it been someone else, you know, a bit less corrupt, a bit less you know in your face corrupt, yep. and and you know arrogant and and really you know sort of coming across as an uh, educated, really rough you know, not fit, uh it would have been a different argument. But I know a lot of people were genuinely trying to get rid of him. Okay. So maybe
0: because people hated him so much they didn't really care how it was done. Exactly. Just get it done.
1: So uh you know that's 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 a point that we can't ignore. I mean this is yeah. this is really uh you know important point. And
0: it's a bit uh, like with Trump where people would you know would have wanted some awful endings for him no matter what, just because of who he was. So, yeah, um, yeah, okay, I get that. So, um, and then uh, Zelensky is uh, the current president who, um, former comedian and television star and now um, hugely popular, it seems, both within Ukraine Mm. and around the world because uh, he's not running and hiding, he's... Or if he is, he's got a, a really good um, PR team that's painting a different picture. So he uh, he he, he uh, seems to be genuinely doing the right thing at this yeah. t- critical yeah. time. And, and, and uh, look,
1: this is this might be his uh, you know he, his mission, and he he might yeah. turn out to be the the uh, true you know hero yeah. uh, it, of, of the because story.
0: Because leading up to Surprising. this, you thought he was a
1: bit of a dud, is that? Would you, you know, yeah, sort of, I, yeah, I'd say so. And, and it's only because, you know, he's not a, uh, he's not a politician. He's uh, basically a comedian, I guess. Uh, not saying he's a bad person or something, but, you know, uh, I, I think the impression, was certainly for me, that he's, uh, he would be an easy opponent for, uh, you know, for Russia, for Putin to go and, you know, just go over really? and do whatever they want. And uh, but then look, he is genuinely uh leading the resistance now by all accounts, Mm -hmm. and and people are surprised. Uh, but people love him. I I like him. I mean, he is uh, he's risking, also, I suppose.
0: Yep, Um, yes. I mean, if he's captured or whatever, who knows what could happen to him, so it's precarious for him,
1: but he's. He's what you expect from president. He's, uh, you know, it's a bit like, you know, Belgium when um, Germans attacked. Yep. Resistance
0: and, uh, yeah. He's certainly got an incredible life story. Actually, for those who haven't seen it, um, I think I've got it here. Have you seen the? The other thing, dear listener, is he won the Ukrainian version of Dancing with the Stars.
1: Mm. Have you Have you seen that at all, Ed? Uh, No, I haven't. No, I, I heard about it, but no, I haven't.
0: With a bit of luck, I'll just play
1: a little bit of clip here if I can. Hopefully this will show up. Hang on. It's an incredible life this that guy's running from He's a lawyer as well. So um
0: lawyer well, but, and comedian. I just and, didn't know enough.
1: Yeah. I didn't know enough about him and I uh it's not like look to be honest, uh and yeah, we will return to war because it's important. I I feel like you know, we probably don't give enough uh you know focus or you know doesn't come across, you know, in all seriousness of you know what's going on. I'm, I'm distressed. I'm, you know, it's just like sort of uh, now I've got to be distracted and you know got to be cheerful, I guess. But but it, it's not to say that you know it's it's, it's, it's pretty bad. But uh, I I say until recent times we'd probably be more watching the um, what was happening in Russia itself. You know inside with uh, you know opposition being uh, basically. Repressed yeah. and, and all of these, yeah. and even now, you know, the uh, opposition yes. leaders isn't jail. Well, opposition leader, a person who's uh, the closest to opposition leader, I guess, uh, would be you know, is in jail And there's another uh, process yeah. having... So I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking that much about Zelensky because we were all, uh, you know, seeing how Putin, yeah, do things internally, and uh, but then of course, no one expects it you know, things have changed so quickly, and now we're talking about escalation and possibly nuclear war, and, uh, you know, Facebook being uh, suspended in Russia with a mixed success. Uh, You know, they don't report on uh, casualties. Uh, They don't call it a war. Uh, They allegedly are going to introduce... Uh capital punishment. Or at least, you know, that's what Medvedev said in you know, maybe not officially, but you know, said that we should bring it back. Uh they capital punishment for what? For treason, for you know, for, for stuff, just because Russia okay. you know, doesn't yep. have it now. So right. but but even still, like, you know, uh treason now is mm. twenty years uh jail, I think. Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah I- Ed, I just want to move on to NATO and the discussion about, um, about NATO, which seems for a lot of people to be a key component to this whole story. And I'm going to read a bit, dear listener, from an article by a guy called Chris Hedges. And Chris Hedges, um, American journalist, uh, Presbyterian minister, author, television host, former reporter for The New York Times, um, in his career, he worked as a freelance war correspondent in Central America, and he began working for the New York Times in 1990, and during his 15-year tenure, Hedges reported from more than 50 countries and served as the Times Middle East Bureau Chief and Balkan Bureau Chief um, during the wars in the former Yugoslavia. He's currently running a TV show on on Russia Today, or RT, so mm. put, all, put all that together, because I mentioned to Joe I was going to read um, about this guy, and he said, "Well, he'll that no conflict there. I mean, poking a bit the fact that he has a show on Russia today, but when you add in his career with the New York Times, it's an interesting mix for a guy. So I think he's got some experience, and I've read other stuff that he's done, and I, I do think he's got something to add here. So bear with me, uh, dear listener, while I read this article or a fair chunk of it. It's probably going to take me about four or five minutes." And that Ed and I can talk about about that because it seems to get to the crux of of one reason why the conflict has started, and maybe if there is to be an exit out of this, um, one possible way out. So, all right. So his um, article entitled "Chronicle of a War Foretold" by Chris Hedges. After the fall of the Soviet Union, there was near universal understanding among political leaders that NATO expansion would be a foolish provocation against Russia. I was in Eastern Europe in 1989, reporting on the revolutions that overthrew the ossified communist dictatorships that led to the collapse of the Soviet Union. It was a time of hope. NATO, with the breakup of the Soviet Empire, became obsolete. President Mikhail Gorbachev reached out to Washington and Europe to build a new security pact that would include Russia. Secretary of State Jim Baker in the Reagan administration along with the West German foreign minister Hans-Dietrich Genscher assured the Soviet leader that if Germany was unified NATO would not be extended beyond the new borders the commitment was not to expand NATO uh, sorry the commitment not to expand NATO also made by Great Britain and France appeared to herald a new global order There was a near universal understanding among diplomats and political leaders at the time that any attempt to expand NATO was foolish, an unwarranted provocation against Russia that would obliterate the ties and bonds that happily emerged at the end of the Cold War. How naive we were. The war industry did not intend to shrink its power or its profits. It set out almost immediately to recruit the former communist bloc countries in the European Union and NATO. Countries that joined NATO, which now include Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Albania, Croatia, Montenegro and North Macedonia, were forced to reconfigure their militaries, often through hefty loans, to become compatible with NATO military hardware. The expansion of NATO swiftly became a multi-billion dollar bonanza for the corporations that had profited from the Cold War. Poland, for example, just agreed to spend $6 billion on M1 Abrams tanks and other US military equipment. If Russia would not acquiesce to again being the enemy, then Russia would be pressured into becoming the enemy. And here we are. The consequences of pushing NATO up to the borders with Russia, there is now a NATO missile base in Poland, 100 miles from the Russian border, were well known to policymakers, yet they did it anyway. It made no geopolitical sense, but it made commercial sense. War, after all, is a business. In a classified diplomatic cable obtained and released by WikiLeaks, dated 1st of February 2008, written from Moscow, I think this is the Moscow embassy, US embassy, addressed to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, NATO European Union Cooperative, National Security Council, Russia, Moscow, Political Collective... Secretary of Defence and Secretary of State. There was an unequivocal understanding that expanding NATO risked an eventual conflict with Russia, especially over Ukraine. The beauty of these things, dear listeners, is you can Google it and you can find it. I'll send you the link in the show notes. But um, you can actually find the WikiLeaks document, the actual cable that this refers to. And um, Chris Hedges summarises what that cable said. Um, Not only does Russia perceive encirclement by NATO and efforts to undermine Russia's influence in the region, but it also fears unpredictable and uncontrolled consequences which would seriously affect Russian security interests. The cable reads Experts tell us that Russia is particularly worried that the strong divisions in Ukraine over NATO membership, with much of the ethnic Russian community against membership, could lead to a major split involving violence or, at worst, civil war, in that eventually Russia would have to decide whether to intervene, a decision Russia does not want to have to face. Dmitry Trenin, Deputy Director of the Carnegie Moscow Centre, expressed concern that Ukraine was, in the long term, the most potentially destabilising factor in US-Russian relations, given the level of emotion um, and neuralgia Triggered by its quest for NATO membership. Because membership remained divisive in Ukrainian domestic politics, it created an opening for Russian intervention. Trendon expressed concern that elements within the Russian establishment would be encouraged to meddle, stimulating US overt encouragement of opposing political forces and leaving the US and Russia in a classic confrontational posture. Well, that's proved to be um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, very close to the mark, really. Um, The Obama administration, not wanting to further inflame tensions with Russia, blocked arms sales to Kiev, but this act of prudence was abandoned by the Trump and Biden administrations. Weapons from the US and Great Britain are pouring into Ukraine, part of the $1.5 billion in promised military aid. Um, uh, Let me see what else he says here. All of us who reported from Eastern Europe in 1989 knew the consequences of provoking Russia and yet few have raised their voices to halt the madness. Um, One little bit here. Once NATO expanded into Eastern Europe, the Clinton administration promised Moscow that NATO combat troops would not be stationed in Eastern Europe, Uh, the defining issue of the 1997 um, agreement. That promise, again, turned out to be a lie. Um, He says, uh, Chris Hedges Uh, Then in 2014, the US backed a coup against the Ukrainian president, uh, Yanukovych, who sought to build an economic alliance with Russia rather than the European Union. Um, Of course, once integrated into the European Union, as seen in the rest of Eastern Europe, the next step is integration into NATO. Russia, spooked by the coup, alarmed at the overtures by the EU and NATO, then annexed Crimea, And the death spiral that leads us to the conflict currently underway in the Ukraine became unstoppable. So, Ed, what do you think of that in terms of NATO encircling, coming right up to the border of Russia?
1: Mm, uh, How does that sit with you, probably friends? Yeah, analyzing all this uh, article and and really development is is. uh, it's not an easy task, and I mean, you know, for hmm. someone who is uh, you know, majoring in geopolitics and stuff. Look, uh, from my perspective and from what I remember, I don't know always what's happening on the background. But uh, look, if history doesn't start at 2008, obviously, and, and yeah... Um, so it just says, you know, 1988 already was obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me. Um, you know, NATO and Russia were cooperating. I think when you know war on terror started, it was genuine impression that, you know, it was, it was a cooperation. So uh, it didn't feel like it was, uh, you know, escalating and, and uh, unavoidable and that, you know, Russia would all... It didn't feel put it in plain words, that Russia and the U.S. NATO are, you know, historic friends, traditional, sorry, historic enemies, you know, traditional enemies, and it will continue and will continue forever. Uh, I didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was foolish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But again, I'm looking at the countries who, who you know, joined NATO, you uh, different stages, three waves or whatever. Um, coming out of Soviet Union and, uh, you know, being in the well, relationship with Russia, uh, you know, I guess Baltic states would probably uh, do it first then for good reason, because they probably didn't feel secure. Um, and, you know, that was, if you are a relatively small country, Next to the neighbor who is at best of times unpredictable, you know, NATO is probably the assurance. And that's, you know, I can understand uh, why it might happen. So I guess the question is whether these small countries did want to, okay, uh, no disrespect to anything, sorry. Um, But if if former republics or former countries of, uh, you know, Soviet bloc, Wanted to get away from uh, Russia as soon as possible and join NATO. And uh, look, if if remember 2008 and uh, Russia stepping in to Georgia, uh, and you know what followed, because that was another war. That's what send a message, like you know, what if you if you're not in NATO now. or you're thinking about it, you know, yeah. maybe that's time to join us. You know, yeah, like yeah. Macedonia probably would say, you know what?
0: Yeah. Yep. So from the point of view of, of self-interest of those countries, it makes sense that they would say, we want to be part of NATO, ASAP. But, and but then what, from the what, point of sort of world stability, it also thing- makes sense to say, you know what? We really should have a buffer zone between NATO and look. And there should
1: be and analysts, you know, on both sides, uh, and you know, negotiation and everything should. Uh, that's that's what that's what they're for. Yes,
0: and and really, there has to be. Um, there's a bit of hypocrisy here, where um, you know, the US, if if it was encircled. Uh, up to its borders the, um the way that russia has been there's no way it would accept it like it's not sort of fanciful to say oh okay. russia's being russia is being um precious here in in having a problem with nato right on its border i mean what's their problem Th- yeah, sort Having sort of historic- having
1: problem with NATO and and going his another country yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, in,
0: inexcusable. Not so. Um, so that doesn't mean the solution is to go to war, but I'm just sort of um, I'm just wanting to point out that um, what they're doing, NATO in 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 growing right up to the border of the Russian the Russian border, they know that they, for example, the US would never accept that happening if there was. It was flipped around the other way, so, um, so they of course would say, "Well, we're entitled to um, do this," but there has to be a recognition that if it happened the other way around, they wouldn't accept it. I mean, we've got the Cuban Missile Crisis, we had
1: Granada. I mean, it's 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 fine. It's fine to uh, look. Uh, there is a point in this, and it's fine to sit and argue about it, but also. In the light of what happened right now, I feel like it's you know, maybe it's almost like a moot point. You know, Russia reacted the way it reacted. And mm. and, and look, maybe taking you know, taking it into another direction, I guess, slightly. But uh I've been you know, thinking and, and I think I read somewhere, or you know, sort of yeah, everyone's analyst now, yeah. And, and we have all these yeah. uh you know accounts that oh, you know. Putin trying to understand, trying to guess, you know, what what Putin is thinking, what's his objective, and and I guess you know in the past few years we're pretty safe to say that you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't want to lose. Mm. Um, he's, well, he obviously wants to stay in power, I think that's probably one of the uh, main objectives. And and there was some massive trouble. Like if if he didn't have troubles in you know internally and wasn't threatened, who knows? Uh, what, what he would have done or his reaction. Mm. I think a lot of that is, is happening because, you know, because of what's happening internally because he's really uh,
0: you, you think like, in, well. You think internally he's been under
1: pressure? Oh, I'm sure. Right. Look, he, uh, amounts of discontent and yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who li- like him, but the corruption and everything that's going on. And economy is bad. I mean, you know, it's... Mm. Uh, but, but he also has and, and again not taking it lightly or, or it's or, or trying to pick my words here carefully but he's almost uh, you know has this sort of messianic vision for himself you know saving Russia and mm-hmm. restoring I don't know Russian Empire Soviet Union or, or just you know the great Russian world and uh and let's look at the end result. I mean, right now, what's the way out for him? Or is it, is it likely that his objectives are going to be achieved? And I mean, frankly, you know, no one did more for expansion of NATO in the recent years than, uh, than Russia themselves and mm. you know, Putin. Because sending the message and sort of escalating it Probably accelerates <laughs> that process. And and now, look, can you imagine now Ukraine ever uh, turning around and saying, oh, you know, we will reconsider, maybe you know, be good friends with Russia or partners or whatever? Mm. Uh, I can't, I can't see it. Can you, can you see a way out for you know for Putin to be accepted as uh, you know as equal in uh, in any G20, G9, or G8, or whatever G7? Mm. Uh I, I, can't, I just can't see it mm. like like he reputation for himself for the country a, as a as a player is is damaged beyond repair mm. so whatever whatever happened in the past or was leading to this point decisions were made and I'd say you know I'm looking at this and I'm I'm not liking what I see mm. and uh, so that's why you know sometimes things are you know it's bit, it's very seldom when things are black and white mm. yeah it's it's usually mm. a degree of gray but you know today for the past you know 3 or 4 days it's probably as close to black and white as it gets uh mm. in some respect you know mm. it's just we don't need to question uh you know who's we, we don't need to question
0: not, but... whether it's a war and whether it's it's um morally reprehensible or not to, mm. to do it of course it is so um, it's, but it's it's, it's also it's also, worth, it's also though worth it's also worth knowing the build up of these yeah, things but, and questioning was... whether whether there might have been a different outcome if different things had happened differently in the past
1: to me personally now it's you know the subject is a bit raw to you know to talk about it calmly if you like it's a bit like uh, you know i read uh... yeah
0: because right. in a, in a sense, it feels like it's sort of being an apologist for Putin to suggest that this almost, NATO thing is... almost
1: like that. It's yes. it's a bit you know put it in this way. It's just uh, stuff that I read. I say uh, you go to the cemetery, which is a fresh cemetery, and, and this is sadness, and you know because because this is just yeah you, know, you, you can you can feel grief and uh, you know, sorrow, but you go to the cemetery which is four hundred years old and this is history and you can reflect on things and maybe you know look at it at a completely different perspective so uh, I'm sure we are talking about uh, well even Napoleon now and we balance you know uh, so goods and bads and there's a lot of goods and look me being Russian you know we, we were growing up with Napoleon being bad but you know, it's, not, it's not true speaking it's a lot of propaganda there uh, and of course you know we're talking about Julius Caesar and you know, it's completely different. But, you know, but we can't really uh, reflect on, you know, pushing now and, and uh, try to find silver lining. I, I feel, you know, to yes. me personally, that's that's really, really hard to do. Yes. And and yes. so all I can say now, and, and this is, you know, he's a criminal now. He's, he is a genuine criminal, you know, war criminal, and I, I don't see any way out for him. Uh, yes.
0: It it might be the thing that? that brings about a peace at some point, though, is if there is some statement that Ukraine won't join NATO or something as a, a face-saving thing, as a reason well,
1: to try and... Uh, I guess the first, first have to, mm. you know, stop shelling and, and maybe see yes. and talk. Because, again, the uh, the peace talks that were well announced and uh, was it yesterday or today, I don't understand anymore. It's like, you know, it's been been had kind of hard yeah. to keep track of time. Uh they sent, from Russian side the guy who went there looked like wasn't authorized to do anything. Uh you know, even before even started it was
0: like. you know. They're not serious about peace talks when they're shelling right they're, now when I, they're accelerating with their bombings and
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, think yeah. Think, yeah. think uh the and and look this up Talks about you know, whether he's mad or you know deranged or whatever, yeah. different Excellent. degrees, different degrees of you know madness.
0: Yeah, yeah. let's let's talk about this uh, madness and derangement sort of allegation and crazy because he gave a speech which was which was quite lengthy. It I think went for over an hour or so. And on the podcast with um, with Ray and Cam, we were talking about it, and because yeah. we we were reading the trans. Well, I I was we were reading the translation and. Mm-hmm. Um, and really we, from reading it, thought what, what is this allegation that he's crazy and unhinged because it actually comes across as a relatively sane and rational rundown of modern Russian history and it actually was sort of quite impressive in the sense that we couldn't imagine Boris Johnson or Joe Biden mm-hmm. or Scott Morrison speaking uh, not In
1: that style way, though. for sixty minutes. Yeah, um, it's, it's not their style, and maybe yeah, But you have a different take on that. So oh, look, I, I said yeah. straight away, and, and that was you know the, that's what started it all. I sent an email yeah. saying, uh, uh, "Yeah, it does look a bit deranged." But but look, it's uh, then I then I said that you know what, uh, if if you just look at uh, this and well, the speech was. Was really an exercise in a sort of justification of uh, the next move, it looks like. Um, yes. So it's, you know, you look at it and say, no, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't jump and, uh, you know, on the table and whatever, uh, yells. He, though, conveys, uh, the spoken it's word not a, a disgust. Answer. It's not sort a of disgust, but it's it's really superiority and, and and sort of with a smirk, you know, talking about uh, you know all things Ukrainian. Uh, so there is a clear message that you know of of him. Um,
0: what what you're trying to say, I think, is there was a, a something was lost in translation. Uh, yes, in that, definitely,
1: definitely, there's something in lost in translation. For a
0: native Russian speaker, you could detect. Uh, um, yes. also, a different tone a that we couldn't.
1: I also have a background of his other speeches, and he's pretty much his style. You know, to with a with a smile, with a smirk. So there are different different degrees of madness, I guess. Um, yeah, and, you know, I almost could feel like uh, you know he was he was one of the, it was a person who, you know, with a smile tells you that you know, he's going to kill you or something like that. Right. Uh, yes. and, and and the thing is that I don't I don't really know if it's his like people say, oh, you know, he's he's mentally deranged or or you know he lost the power. Um, I don't really know. It can and, and it can be, uh, or it can be that he is surrounded by people who, you know, yes, men and and whatever. Uh, don't tell him or tell him what he wants to hear, and so that you know he's sure of, of his messianic uh, you know, nature. I, I don't really know, or maybe something else, but it's yeah, uh, I, I we remember Colonel like... Gaddafi uh, being sure that everyone loves him and he is uh, the greatest yeah. guy in the world.
0: And that Romanian dictator was on the porch and surprised when the crowd was booing him. Um, yeah, Czoczko or, or Chuck, yeah. That's it. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah. look, when I was reading it, I got a little bit of a sense of um, that I think he sees himself, you know, he's getting on now. I think he's 69 or something. And he was very resentful of the breakup of, the Soviet Union, for hmm. example,
1: is, is the right word, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and really, it was um, his job in history was to at least um, get some of it back. Was really yeah. the sort of what I read, and I think I think he definitely has a sort of a sense of his place in history in terms of of and it's well, it might seem a crazy. And it might be doomed to failure for him personally. I think he's just prepared to roll the dice because he's reached that point. So yeah, there would be an element of of almost a crazy level of nationalistic pride and mm. desire there. Yeah, which is important.
1: And 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 look, this is uh, you know ideology as well, and people would like to hear that because it, it just gives them a sense of uh, pride. Mm. But this has to be that way. I mean. Really, you don't have to be uh, a well-respected, powerful, and great nation uh, just for fear. And you know, a measure of it is not how many uh, you know other nations fear you, but it can be something else. Japan now is not threatening a lot of countries, or in the past you know decades. But it was it was doing very well economically, and you know, it sounds like if they set a the goal to be, I don't know. Best in uh, in the world in some sense, and you achieved it. Yes. I, I'm just an example. I, I mean, it is really sad that you know it, it's understood greatness is understood in, in that way, and uh, I guess a lot of people probably
0: yeah. Is, is he particularly well-educated or um, does his voice come across as a working-class accent or does um, <laughs> it come across as uh, a Bogan? Well, is that what you yeah. describe his accent as? A-
1: uh, well, I don't think accent is, uh, you know, in Russian, no, I wouldn't say would uh, have accent as such, but, you know, the, the, uh, the vocabulary and, and sometimes he's... Is just uh, using the language. So, look, everyone's of, you know, everyone from that generation is, you know, university educated, probably, but it doesn't tell, uh, you know, it doesn't say that. He's not, okay, put it this way. He's not a sophisticated, uh, you know, person. Uh,
0: For, For example, when you listen to Donald Trump, you recognise that he's not a sophisticated person mm-hmm. either. Same. So same. yeah, same with Putin. A, uh, yeah, okay.
1: And 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 the funny thing is that a lot of people around him, even you know, for a fact, you know, being so sort of very well educated and, uh, and maybe you know, having some degree of sophistication, have to go to the level because that's expected in this Yeah.
0: I Ed, we'll wrap it up a little bit. So. Yeah. Uh, anything that you wanted to say to, that you think people need to know that we haven't covered already, that you um, wish the average Aussie knew? About I, th- I think
1: Russia? I think already, already said pretty much, you know, all, all uh, that I wanted, you know, points. I probably wanted to stop on the term fascism and, and just maybe uh, a bit of force because, you know, it's been thrown around a lot mm. and, um, and there was... I, I think in recent times, uh, everyone goes back to uh, an article by Umberto Eco, uh, and, an Italian guy. You know, f- uh, name of the rose fame, if you uh, remember the movie. But he, he was an Italian uh, writer who uh, was growing you know, up during the Soviet times. So, he, was a kid. so he, he wrote an article. He wrote a. Uh, an, an article, an essay called Fascism in 1995, where he really distilled it in 14 points, uh, you know, what fascism is. And and some points, and if, you, if you're if just, you know, talking about you know, Ukraine or Russia, and, uh, and if you look at these points, and I invite everyone, ECHO is ECO, Humberto uh, uh, Probably the Italian name. Probably just as you, uh, I, I can send them on to that if you haven't heard. Um, the rest, you know, these are 14 points, and some of them just read them and think about them, and and try to apply. And you know, things like disagreement, disagreement is treason. You know, that's characterizes the fashion, or uh, you know, rejection of modernism, or cult of tradition, or you know, obsession with the plot like everyone's plotting mm-hmm. against you, yep. or contempt for, for the weak. Uh, you know, everyone's educated to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about these kids who, you know, growing up to be... Oh, okay, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a link there in the chat. Uh, so that's food for thought. Just read it. Uh, you know, read these principles, think about them, and, and try to apply and, and see if it... Uh, you know, what what comes out of it. And,
0: and and what you're saying is you think that Putin is a fascist. I'm
1: not saying look, look, Putin is, you know, is Putin, okay? Yeah. But when when the word's been thrown around, and, and I'm not even talking about individuals, just, you know, the general, you know, sort of idea in the society, mm-hmm. you know, what's good or what we want or, or yeah. uh you know things as I say, the term is being thrown around. So if we go by this definition, yeah. uh because Russians are very offended by you know some some things that other people do in their car you know they're fascists and um, okay sort of like a, like a you know, insult that probably is you know mother of all insults because uh, this yep. is you know going back to, um, to Hitler times and and this genuine you know feel that uh, you know Russia defeated fascism, Nazism, You know, at the time, kind of forgetting that, well, you know, Russia was one party of the coalition and Soviet Union definitely was, you know, one thing then. So Ukraine was taking part in it and took uh, a lot of casualties. And, uh, yeah, so so you can't say that, you know, Russia defeated fashion and Ukraine. So because the term is used a lot, just just think about it. Yeah. Overused, maybe. uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Okay. And just um so you must hop on your computer hourly and you're getting messages from friends and family and it's just yeah, yeah, all-encompassing well. sort of um, thing where you're just inundated with news and keeping up with things and hmm. probably just thinking about it 24-7, I guess. It'd be hard not to.
1: Yeah, I'll probably go and have some room too, you know, to help me sleep now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So... So well, Ed. I
1: really appreciate
0: um, you taking the time out to do this. It's been,
1: uh, it's an interesting insight. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hope help, it helps. And uh, look, I can't uh, thank you enough to uh, you know for giving me yeah. time and you know uh, opportunity to say what I wanted to say. Yeah. Okay. So um,
0: so good on you, Ed. And um. And, well, fingers crossed uh, that at some point it stops sooner rather than later and some resolution is found, but it's hard to imagine what that will be at this stage. I I was convinced – not convinced, but I just assumed he would just take the Donbass region and he was just going to shell these other areas to keep them occupied while he short up that, but it doesn't seem to be that he's going to be satisfied with that, and it just doesn't seem –
1: after some point, it all became uh, irrational you know, mm. to me and 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 impossible to you know, like, incomprehensible. So, uh, and, you know, we're in shock, really, you know, really from shock. Uh, and I have, I have a friend uh, who, you know, she has two kids uh, and her eldest son. He's nineteen or turned twenty, and he went to Ukraine because uh, he wanted to go to Europe and you know sort of. And he's there in Kiev now, so she's she's texting him all the time. But mm. I mean, I, I can't imagine like so. So my heart goes to Ukraine, and, um, it it is unimaginable. But also because I know people personally who suffer, and you know, and my family are there. Uh, even, you know, family on the Russian side are panicking too. Yes. Uh, and it's sort of like, yeah, you know, they are, and, and it pains me to say, like, when I say, you know, Russia is an uh, aggressor here, uh, or, you know, it, uh, I don't have, you know, I'm not saying it, I don't, I don't like what, uh, what I'm saying. I, I'm not enjoying it. I I don't take pleasure in this. Yeah, I don't feel Russian uh, anymore. I guess not because of this. Like one time ago, it's just you know I once I left for other reasons. I guess I you know wanted just to you know change country. So it's not it's not because of that. It it's just. You know, people I know, I speak the language, right? So I have. Mm. And I still, I know I can't, I can't talk about it really. Uh, as as an impatient, uh, you know, observer. Sorry.
0: Yeah, it's so. sort of a despair that your home country, if Absolutely. you like, is is doing this, um, and has a leader who has dragged them into this. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh Ed, that's there's too much tragedy in the world. I just know, um, yeah, um, up here in Queensland we've got our floods, and that I've got four customers who have had their shops flooded. You know, most of them without insurance, and yeah, it's tough times out there for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. um, and they're probably luckier than people holed up in a basement in um, in uh, in the Ukraine, where well, shells are falling around them. Oh, so yeah, yeah there's yeah, oh yeah. If you if you think times are tough, there's always somebody worse off than you, and a lot of them are in the Ukraine at the moment. So
1: yeah, and and you know I read somewhere like oh, imagine a few months ago we were only worried about uh, you know uh, COVID, pan- yeah, mm. pandemic. You know, it's just pandemic. Yes. Yeah. When you when you, I guess you know when you look at the newspapers and what, what we have there. Oh, you know, plague and war, and it's like Middle Ages, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. No, yeah, interesting yeah. times. Mm. All right, Ed. In in Chinese definition of interesting, yes. In de- yeah.
0: yeah. Much appreciated, Ed. Thanks for your time. Thank you, dear listeners in the chat room. Hope you enjoyed that one a bit different. We'll be back with something else next week, not sure what, but um, bye for now. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, subscribe <laughs> on their behalf, on their phone, and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon, and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really, the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from fifty Australian to, I think, $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you... Get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation, so you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners, and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money we could do... Maybe a second episode or more special episodes provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.